You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Antler Up podcast brought to you by Tethered, the world's best saddle hunting equipment, and we have a fun show for you all today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Antler Up Podcast. We are on episode 191. We got a really fun show for you all today. Hunting season is happening. I've been on a hunt. Pennsylvania in certain units is opening up. Success stories are piling in. What a great time. It's the best time of the year going on right now. But, man, we got a really fun episode for you all today. It's episode 191. Like I said, we are joined by none other than Joe Miles. Joe is the owner of Osseo Gear and resides in South Carolina. And Joe also runs the Mission Whitetail podcast. And I will say this, whenever Joe is a guest on a podcast, I always seem to pick up a few things and just truly enjoy his philosophy on hunting and like everything else that he has going on. So Joe has always been a top guest for me to have on the show and to speak with. I'm really excited. He took the time out of his day to have this discussion with me. And man, it did not disappoint. So coming off an early season successful hunt in his home state of South Carolina, Joe talks about how this hunt really worked out for him. And we get into more questions about individual growth, going uh, after mature bucks, hunting stories, and a whole lot more. Really, we dive into a keyword patience, especially during early season as when it comes to hunting mature bucks. We get into what hunters need to do to take care of the little things and his top roles when chasing mature bucks. And towards the tail end of this, Joe goes over some of what Osseo Gear is offering. And just here, again, hearing his perspective on things, it's just really awesome to hear. And I can't say thank you enough for Joe coming on. If you're like just a straight up killer who gets shit done, you will enjoy this episode. So I want to say thanks again, everybody, for all of your continued support. If you like what you hear, it means a lot and it helps out the podcast a lot. If you go and leave a five-star review and write something up as well, it really means a lot to me if you do that. And man, thank you so much. Enjoy this episode. Best of luck to you and looking forward to this. Also, really quick, important, we are going to be dropping a bi-weekly episode on Fridays. It's just going to be a 20-minute hit banger real quick talking about uh, maybe some past guests that we've had on maybe other podcast discussions with the guests that they're listening to some kind of topics they're taking away from it and also what's going on in the woods or in their lives when it comes to hunting at that moment kind of do the same thing 15 minutes from them maybe five 10 minutes from myself but it will air bi-weekly as of right now on Fridays just to kind of as an, another little piece of uh, antler up going into your speakers. So want to say thank you to uh, for all the support listening and for the guests for coming on and doing that as we go throughout the season. If you're interested in, in hopping on and doing that, just hit me up. Send me a, a message. If there's someone that you would like to hear, 
please share those people, even if they don't have never been on a podcast before. Those are people too that uh, I think would be fantastic. Because man, there's a, a millions of straight up killers out there that uh, haven't ever done one. So really appreciate it. Thanks again. Tuning in. See you next week. Antler up. What's up, everybody? Before we get into this week's episode, I do want to give a quick announcement. The Allegheny chapter for Turkeys for Tomorrow will be holding a social event Columbus Day weekend, October 8th from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Angry Goat. It's going to be a really cool, fun day. All are welcome. There's going to be raffles. There's going to be a shotgun raffle, door prizes. The football games will be going on, cornhole. You can buy your own beer. Food and beverage will be provided with a donation to Turkeys for Tomorrow. So come support this new chapter that's here. It's going to be really a fun day of hunters getting together. And all the proceeds are going to go back into this chapter for our area here in Pennsylvania, which is really, really cool. So come support at the Angry Goat in Dubois, Pennsylvania, October 8th from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. And check out Turkeys for Tomorrow. Tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting. Designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter, Tether produces the most mobile, stealthy, and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet. Built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. America's Best Bowstrings has been manufacturing high-quality custom bowstrings in the USA since 2006. America's Best Bowstring strives on the commitment to never end the search for perfection, and this has been the driving force behind the company. Innovative products for every archer out there. Go create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. And a special code is made for our listeners of the Antler Up podcast for America's Best Bowstrings. Use code ANTLERUP and you will save $10 off your order. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that saves the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You have deer prediction, journaling, and the best maps on any hunting app platform there is. Use code ANTLERUP to save 20% off your Spartan Forge membership at spartanforge.ai. Welcome back, everybody, to the show this week. I'm joined by Joe Miles. Joe, welcome to the show. Man, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Really humbled to be here and excited to talk some some deer killing with you. <laughs> me too, man. This is uh, off air. I just said uh, how much I, I've been always listening to your podcast and how much I really respect what you say and what you do, uh, not only in the whitetail woods, but outside the whitetail woods with running a business. And we'll we'll dive into that stuff, man, because I'll tell you what, Joe, other than talking whitetail, uh, I, I love talking to a very... Uh, I, I don't even know what you would kind of what category it falls into, but just individuals that are really motivating in the sense of of working hard, just seeing that you you put in the hard work behind the scenes, that type of stuff of running a successful business, and really obviously then factor all that in with the success that you've done. Um, so you know, just kind of, I guess you know, if those of you that are that are listening. Don't know who Joe is. Joe is is the owner of Osseo Gear. Uh, and, you know, other than that, I mean, Joe, if you want to just give a quick elevator speech of, you know, who you are, where you're coming from real quick, and we could dive down uh, some some fun rabbit holes. Sure, man, absolutely. Yeah, so Joe Miles grew up in South Carolina, still live in South Carolina. Um, been hunting and, and really bow hunting since I was 16 and have been passionate about chasing whitetail with, with bow and arrow all across you know their range from, from here in South Carolina to Montana and from Alberta to Mexico. I, I just love chasing them and have been doing it for years and years and years. And, you know, that, that's always been my passion and, and something that, you know, you know I, I shot a 115, 120-inch velvet buck here, you know, about a week ago. And people yep. were like, man, you, you've, you've shot these 180s, 190s, 200s out in Illinois and Kansas. And, you know, what in the world, how can you get excited about shooting a, you know, 115? Because it's home and that's, you know, that's a relative to, to our area. And it, it's a very cagey, tough animal to hunt. And, and I just enjoy all of it. You know, if I'm in South Carolina, I keep it in perspective. And if I'm in Kansas, then that, that's a whole nother animal. But yeah, so that's it. And, you know, we started Osseo 
Um, really got it in the works four years ago, and we've got three seasons under our belt going into our fourth year now. So that that's that's me in a nutshell. That's awesome, Joe. And I'll, I'll say this, man. I just saw that buck. It's a great deer. You know, I, I man, I, I would love to to get one of those uh, 125, one th- you know, 15-inch good solid, you know, couple-year-old buck from PA here uh, from a mountain. And that, that's really awesome stuff, you know, exciting things. I was listening to how it played out for you uh, on, uh, well, by the time this airs, it would have been a couple weeks ago. Um, just, but you know, listening to how that kind of played out for you, you said you had a little bit more pressure too for that early season hunt than you normally would have, you know, used to have. And you found him on on a camera, and he day- daylighted right at that last second. And you know, there's there's bits and pieces of that conversation that I really want to talked to you about. And it was even prior to listening to that, uh, just because there's little things. I think as bow hunters and as individuals that we need to take care of. And that's, that's kind of the main little bit of meat and potatoes that I want to go down, down with you. But, you know, let me ask you this question just regarding that hunt, because early season for, for me, I don't, for Pennsylvania, there's two units across the state, Joe, that it opens up where it's Philadelphia area and Pittsburgh area. I normally don't hunt the two weeks prior because then then two weeks later, it's a statewide for that either for us this year, it's September 30th. So it's usually that end of September, early October timeframe like that. You know, where's your, you know, how do, what's the difference in your mindset? Uh, like when it comes to that early season versus later in the season, does anything change for your mindset? I mean, obviously tactics change, but like where you are up here, does anything uh, change for you there? Really the patience, you know, you, you've got to be patient that time of year, you know, it's opening week. Guys want to rush in. Guys want to hunt in the mornings. You know, oh, I, the season's in. I hadn't hunted in two days. I got to go. And the rut, you, you can do that. The rut, you can dive in. You can hunt all day. You can hunt morning. You can hunt afternoon. But these mature bucks are so easy to kill the opening week of the season if you're able to do things exactly right. And okay. on the flip side, that coin they are so sensitive to pressure then and once they know hey hey we're, we're back into to hunting again you know th- th- they'll vanish and, and not daylight and be absolutely ridiculously hard to kill <laughs> so you, you have to it, you have to be uh, cliche or whatever but you've got to be an ambush predator and you, you've got to be a quick strike you know get in kill him um, but because your exit is so difficult in the afternoons, you know, I mean, we can, we can talk taxes if you want, but I mean, that, that's the whole, the whole mindset early season is, is a lot of glass and a lot of trail camera running and then a lot of patience for the exact right condition. Yeah. So let me, let me throw a quick scenario, scenario at you, uh, early season hunt, think of a different state where you're you're out of state it's a quick one you only have a couple days you're like you know what i'm passing through here i, I could hunt two three days i'm going to throw everything i got at you you know at, at, at hunting in these three days in, in an early season we're talking like this time frame right now how does that you know maybe differ as far as that that mindset go since you're out of state you're kind of going in there go going being a little bit aggressive and you know does the uh tactics and mindset still kind of be the same in that category well, well here, here's a prime example. I, I went to Kentucky for the opener. I got into Kentucky on Thursday, and I glassed all day and all morning and ran cameras all day thir- or, or Thursday evening, all day Friday, all day Saturday. The season actually opened Saturday, okay. and I, I did not see a buck. I saw probably – 15, 18 different bucks, but not one that, that is, you know, at home, I would have smoked a bunch of them, but, but Kentucky's <laughs> got some Western Kentucky and I didn't see anything bigger than about 135 inches. So I left, I came home um, yeah. because I've got some swamp bucks here at home that I can hunt. Um, so, so I, I see what you're saying is like, Hey man, I, I've got three days, um, you know, to, to go out and hunt. And I've, I've got buddies that went out there and hunted for a week. They were hunting mornings, afternoons, you know, they were, they were glassing in the mornings and trying to see where they were going into bed. 
and then getting them on them in the afternoons. And if they didn't have any luck in the afternoons, they were going back in there and trying to shoot them, shooting them coming to coming to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's it's completely up to you from a success standpoint. You are early season. You are far more likely to kill one in the afternoons and it's far better even if the season is in even if you're out of state is is it only takes one afternoon yeah. you know if, if you're glassing if you've got three days and you scout for two of them and, and pinpoint him and you're able to move in that last afternoon with the right wind you know that then, then it only takes that one afternoon to get him killed yeah i like that joe i like that a lot so you know kind of Switching gears just real quick, and like I said to you earlier, I really respect what you're doing in and out of the woods. What would you say contributes to personal individual growth? Oh, yeah. I I think that you got to block out the noise, man. There's so much. I mean, I I can't tell you. I'm actually going to do some of this on on the next podcast I do and get up on a little bit of a soapbox. But I can't tell you the number, especially now that the season's opened, of Facebook and Instagram messages I get of trail camera pictures of deer. And is he old enough and should I shoot him? Is he old enough and should I shoot him? Man, set your parameters, set your goals, and don't listen to what anybody else says. Yeah. If, 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 you're hunt, if you're wanting to go to Iowa, you get drawn for Iowa, and you want to shoot a 140-incher because you've only shot, you know, 120s or 110s, yeah, you're hunting in Iowa, and yeah, there's a chance that you could shoot a 170 or better, but man, if you are going to get fired up and happy about shooting a 140-inch deer or a 130-inch deer, who cares what anybody else says? You you set the, the, the thing I say is set your parameters, set your goals, and stick to them. Now, if your goal is a 170 and you're going to Iowa and then you, you shoot a 125, well, man, that, that's not, you know, that, that's not what you set out to do. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it, it's hunting, right? And, and maybe it is. Maybe your goal is a 170 and you get out there and a 125-inch eight-point comes by you and he fires you up and you shoot him. That's okay, but, but you know, that's not that's not your goal. Um, so, so that's my thing is just set your, your parameters. And, and what I mean by that is, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to shoot a compound bow. All right, so that's what I'm going to use. I'm only going to mobile hunt. So so I'm only going to be mobile hunting. I'm not going to hunt out of any preset stands. Um, I'm only, I'm not hunting over any bait. I will not hunt over any bait. Whatever your, param- those are just examples, hypotheticals. But whatever your parameters are, if you set those, th- then you start building discipline and then you start going to your goals and, and block the noise out. Who, ca- who cares what anybody thinks or says about the way you hunt how you hunt if you're doing it legally and you're happy and having fun with it man knock yourself out take the guesswork out of building your own arrows for this upcoming season by ordering a custom set of arrows from exodus outdoor gear they have developed and sourced literally the most precise archery components on earth to build a tailored arrow for your hunting adventures just head over to exodus's website and plug in your specifications in the arrow builder and have your custom set sent straight to your door you have two arrows to choose from one being the MMT arrow, which is a 246 diameter shaft, and the new NIS, which is a 204 diameter shaft arrow. Use code AU to save 15% off your tailored arrow order at exodusoutdoorgear.com. Yeah, preach. I like that. Uh, it, it's funny that you say this because you you were talking about it too on that same episode a little bit where you know there's there seems to be a, a trend right now where, you know, obviously – Technology is a huge thing in the outdoors uh, and, and all uh, there's just so many new variables, right? There's debate question. There's this, there's that last week on the episode uh, I did with one of my best friends, Jim uh, Diagostino, we were talking about an area that I scouted back at home with my dad in Northeast Pennsylvania. And what I did was it was a spot that I, I scouted the year prior, had some really good mountain bucks on it, some really good deer, had a pretty good close encounters with them and would have been my biggest buck to date if I would have been able to, if he would have came in instead of going in the opposite direction. But long story short, my dad said, do you want to go down there and fix that camera? Because I think my memory card, it just needs reformatted. Something was wrong with it. And I said, you know what, dad? No, I, I let's leave it go. 
I know last year it was hot. We went in there postseason. We went in there this past June. We saw tons of sign in both of those visits, basically. we kind of, I kind of have a game plan of how I would make adjustments to hunting it. I'm like, that scrape was still hit in June. It's going to continue to be hit all summer and right now. No, I don't. Let's leave that camera go. Maybe if I go in there hunting in middle end of October, sure, I'll make it that adjustment there on, on it. But till now, let's go in blind. Let's go in surprise. Let's go. Let's use some woodsmanship and and uh, find the sign and set up on and have fun. So I'm kind of excited for that. And I know that's also been like a trend where people are are doing that as well. But you know, I, I I'm excited and it's a, a fun goal where I, I you know we, I feel like we've come too too complacent and really relying on the cameras and it just seems like the more people that I've I speak to especially on podcasts some really phenomenal hunters man they're like man I was bitten by that I was bitten by that like relying on the cameras and and uh it, it's interesting to see how people are growing and developing and, and not doing that now yeah there, no, no doubt I mean you're seeing you know a lot of guys bring in the traditional equipment you know, no, no, no cameras, no cell cameras, you know, just stand on the back, go in the woods and, and, and get after it. Um, and, and, you know, you, you start looking at ethics, right. Yep. And, and what, what is ethical. And, and the only person that can decide that is you. And unless, unless you are walking naked and hunting government land, and killing the animal with your teeth and claws, you, you, you can't say anything to anybody else, right? Because if you're driving your truck out there, there's an advantage. If, if you are using a bow and arrow, that's an advantage. Uh, you know, it goes all the way from naked with your teeth to a 300 wind mag and a one acre high fence with a 190 in there. You know, everybody falls in between there ethically. Yeah. So here's what, here's, one of the big things that I wanted to talk to you about specifically, like I said earlier, asking you about, you know, the business side of things and, and the mindset coming from someone that is successful in hunting and also in the business world. You know, I have to believe you really take care of the little things, Joe. So I would love to hear what Joe miles talks, you know, hear you talk about the little things that make either you or someone else, what well, can make someone else, I guess, a successful, more efficient hunter in and out of the woods. Yeah. So, so the, the thing, you know, you hear this a lot, but, it, but it's so true. Everything that you can control, you need to be very proficient at. Um, and, and, and what do I mean by that? Okay. Well, we, we can go down a little bit of a hole here. Like, like you I've got a, a site, right? A, a, a site on my boat. Okay. And, and my buddy said it was a good site. So I'm going to put it on my boat. Okay. Well, well th that's okay. And, and that's a step in the right direction. But if you, if you really want to understand that site, what size pins are they? What pin do you have at the top? Which pin is going to be the brightest earliest? You know, green gets brighter the fastest. So you want your top pin to be a bigger pin. That's your closer range shot. So in low light, you know, you're not going to be taking 30, 40 yard shots. You're going to be taking probably 20, 25 and in, in very low light. So that top pin being 0 0.019, uh, with green on top and then red underneath, you know, at 0 0.010, you know, th those are just little things that are things that you can control. Um, and then, you know, we can get into broadheads, we can get into arrows, we can get in stands, we can get into trail cameras. I mean, all of those little things that you can control, you've got to be really proficient in it. And you have to ask the question, why am I doing this? Why am I using this product? Um, because Joe Blow it, it, you know, on so-and-so YouTube channel said this was the best. Okay, we'll, we'll look into that, right? Who is Joe Blow? Um, is, is he, quote-unquote, sponsored by that company? Not, not, not all companies that sponsor people are just getting their, their stuff paid for you to say it. You know, there, there's really good products out there. But dive into Joe Blow that you're getting your advice from. You know, I, I'm trying to – I want to be a better hog hunter. Um, well, how many hogs has, has Joe Blow actually shot? And where has he shot those? And how has he shot those? And do those line up with how I do things, you know, in my area? 
you know, Don Higgins is a really, really good buddy of mine. Um, but, but his hunting tactics in Illinois work great for the Midwest. And if you're, you're hunting in the Midwest or anywhere like that, man, he, he is spot on with how he sets up farms and, and does things. But if you're hunting in South Carolina or Florida or, or some of the places that I hunt, th- those things, you know, they, they won't work. It's not universal. Um, so, so you have to put everything into good context and where you're getting your advice from, make sure it's, it's what you're trying to accomplish. Like, like if I'm trying to shoot 200 inch deer, yeah, I want to listen to Andre DeQuisto. I want to listen to Adam Hayes. I want to listen to Don Higgins because they've killed a lot of 200 inch deer. Um, you, you know, if, if, if I want to shoot, you know, a, a bunch of hogs in Texas, I might want to listen to the ranch ferry because he shoots a lot of hogs in Texas. Um, so, so again, I'm, I'm not trying to be long winded here, but those are the things, the things that you can control and where you get your advice from. You know, if, if you really ask that question as to why I'm doing something or why I'm using something and figure it out for yourself and test it really before season, th- those are things that, that, that can help you a lot. Yeah. I'll, you know, just quickly, Joe, background on me is had a management degree, went back to school after working in that world for a couple of years, got a kinesiology degree with a certification to teach and did a little bit of personal training as well. After getting that certification, I'm a big believer in education. So like this aspect of things of how can we be more efficient, right? Learning and growing. That is like, you're, you're, you're talking my sweet music to me. Right. <laughs> so, and I remember hearing you say on that podcast, where you were talking about killing this velvet buck this past year already a couple of weeks ago, there was a, I, I'm going to misquote you, but you were in this, in this vicinity of saying for the last like 35 years, everything that you've been preparing for in that moment kind of came, came to light. It was like in that situation, it was, you talked about your peep site, you talked about your, 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 uh, your site and all those things. And I think, those are things that we take for granted, right? Like those are the aspects that when you were saying about practicing, I, I say it on the podcast and I, I, I love the opportunities when I'm with my daughter and my wife at my in-laws when it's, Hey, do you mind if we go up there and we could go for dinner at the state till this time? So I could climb up a tree and just get f- three meaningful purposeful shots. Cause I might only get that one shot, obviously, can I just climb up a couple feet because it's the last light? I want to make sure I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. Like I do do that because if I don't, it, you can't plan, you can't control what that deer is going to do in the woods. Right. So, but if, if that opportunity where it falls in line with what we could actually control in that heat of the moment, you better be ready for it. And that's the stuff like hearing you say that I was like, man, that's the little things that I know I wanted always to talk to you about is how can we take care of the little things? So the big things take care of themselves. Yeah. I mean, that hunt was, it really was a culmination of, of everything. Um, you you know, the arrow build, the broadhead, um, the angled practice, being able to slip one right in front of his hip. Um, you you know, the access, the trail cameras that I was using for, for that thing. I got a good clear right at dark because a lot of times those cameras, you know, they, when they're switching from, from daylight to IR, um, you know, the, the pictures, you don't get a good picture of that animal then, um, the way I had the camera positioned, so it wasn't facing dead West. So I didn't get any residual sunlight coming in. I mean, every single thing, um, it it just happened, you know, it doesn't always happen like that. Um, you know, it seems like there's always, you know, it's always something you could have gotten away with. Like, you know, he was perfectly broadside or, you know, he came in 10 minutes earlier. There's always, it seems like always there's something that, oh, well, you know, yeah, that could have been better, but I didn't need (laughs) it. Right. And this, this time it, it was every single, every single thing, um, Played played into into effect. If I didn't have the right broadhead on there, I, I know I w- it would have been the next day when I found the deer, and he would have spoiled. He would have been rotten because it was ninety six degrees and about seventy percent humidity that night, and. I was able to get to him, get him gutted, get him into a cooler, and um, it, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to beat that up too much, but yeah, yeah that, that opportunity that everything, and I was like check. I'm glad I did that. Check. I'm glad I did that. Check. I'm glad. Yep. It worked. It worked. It worked. So, so those are, those are things that, um, you know, all that stuff was controllable yeah. and, and 
you know, it, you know, you, you hear guys like Nick Saban and Tom Brady, you know, that are, that are in football and, and not to beat up Alabama bandwagon, but, but, um, you know, those guys are perfectionists and, and they don't care about, they, they care about it, but the focus is not on the end result. The focus is on the process and the discipline you know, during the process. And if, if you look at hunting that same way, it, you know, the, the discipline of what you're doing, I know that I need to shoot five or six hour arrows from an elevated position, you know, every day of the season or, you know, four days a week. I, I know I need to do that, but ah, I want to lay in bed a little longer this morning, you, you know, or, or, you know what, I got a grill tonight, so I'm just not gonna, not gonna do it. You know, the boys want to go out, whatever it may be. Well, you know, that's not going to get you where you need to go. Um, you know, there is no happy median. You know, you talk about balance and, and happy median. If you want to be really good and really successful at it, you, you, you got to be a little bit obsessive. Electrify, escape and expand. With PWR, nothing will hold you back from finding adventure on your own terms. Forge your own path to places others can't reach by car, by foot, or using analog equipment. Electrify your adventure with PWR's unique e-powered adventure tools that are just as fun to ride as they are practical. Escape the ordinary methods of enjoying the outdoors that take you to the same old spots it seems everyone ends up. Expand your playground, push beyond your old limitations, and find a new comfort zone. Check out the brand new Rome scooter that comes equipped with four inch wide, heavily treaded tires for maximum grip over loose and aggressive terrain. The 24 inch front wheel diameter makes easy work of rolling over roots, rocks, and other low obstacles in your path. Use code antlerup750 for $750 off or antlerup25 to save 25% off the site, excluding the Rome. So check out ridepwr.com and prepare for your next adventure. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and, you know, over the last couple of years, Joe, what would you say out of all those things that you really honed in on, right? And you really are, are controlling those things. What were some of those overlooked tasks or, or aspects that maybe that you really needed to conquer? Um, I think some of the stuff was, you know, was the site set up. I figured that out about, um, I was in Mexico in a ground blind okay. and I had really nice buck and it was dark in that ground blind, super dark. And I had a, the buck I was trying to kill had come in that morning and, um, you know, I could start seeing him through my binoculars and I had my sight sitting on my knee or my bow sitting on my knee and I'm looking at my sight and I'm going, my middle pin, I can see it right now, but I can't see my red top pin. Hmm. And I'm, I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm in my green one. I can see it clear as day and the red, I can't see it. And I'm like, I got to switch that up. I got to put green on top because this buck's 20 yards away and I could technically shoot him right now, but I can't see my pin. And I could take my 40 yard pin and aim under him. You know, I could do that. But in that super low light, um, I, I didn't want to risk that. Uh, that, that w- one example, I think another thing is, is, is I have really the last two years gotten into shooting these different angles and distances, you know, like soup, taking my 3d targets and turn them super quartering away or really quartering two, and, and studying, you know, where you can zip that arrow in and get into the vitals. Um, and then obviously arrow setup, poundage of the bow, broadheads, you know, arrow builds, all of that stuff, um, is stuff that I've, I've worked on hard the last few years. Yeah. The fun thing about all that stuff too, Joe, is you can go down a lot of rabbit holes with that stuff, (laughs) test a bunch of different things out. So what did you end up settling on as far as your, your broadhead uh, goes? So, so for, for whitetail deer, I'm a, a rage tripan guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the first rages that came out were junk. I'll definitely get on that bandwagon. But then when they developed the, the tripan, it, it has a little bit different blades. They're a lot thicker. They're 0.039 thickness blades, which are some of the thickest in the mechanical world. Um, and then they have a titanium ferrule, which is really strong. They have a hypodermic point, penetrates really well. And... You know, I was I was back and forth with mechanicals and fix, and a lot of a lot a few years I ran both in my quiver, depending yeah. on 
know what kind of situation I was going to get into, but now I am 100% Rage Tri-Fan. Um, and I actually had the opportunity to go over to Africa earlier in the year and shot a bunch of big stuff, Kudu, Three Sable, um, some, some big animals over there. And I specifically used the Tri-Fan to see how they would perform over there. And and I, that's the second trip I've taken them over there. And, and they, they've just proven time and time and time again to be a really deadly they're they're super quiet they're super accurate and they've got a big two inch cutting diameter and they get plenty of penetration on white tail well really up to elk size animals i mean i i shot a sable which is the the third largest antelope in africa um through both scapulas and wow. and you know it did a hundred percent pass through but i got an exit hole um shot a big kudu quartering two you know we're, we're talking a 600 pound animal quartering two um and got all the way back into the rib cage so it, it, it's a good they, they get you know they get they get beat up good a good bit on on some some forums and and uh is forum even still a thing i guess I chat room <laughs> Um, you know, like these Facebook pages and groups and stuff like that, they, they get beat up a good bit, but man, I've, I've over the last probably seven or eight years, I've, I've shot a bunch of stuff with them and, and really, really like them. Yeah. Hey, it's not broke. Don't fix it. Yeah. So here's what I want to ask you because you've been successful for many years, you know, already t- touched upon that, but over the last couple, where, where do you think you really grew most as a hunter? I think dialing in my access, you know, that's, that's, to me, that, that is actually the most important thing. Okay. You can have the best bow setup. You can have the best broadhead. You can be the most accurate archer. You can be the best hunter in the world. If you don't have access to where the quality or the not quality, the, the type deer that you want to shoot, if you don't have access to those areas, it's it's all a moot point right um so so that for me probably the last three or four years has really really been a focus is is drilling down on great access it's like here at home i'm a member of a of a hunt club it's got 12 members it's pressured but it's close and there's some good spots you can get away from some guys and get on some decent deer and then the next door property is a big uh like 2200 acre you know old plantation farm that that i basically have the entire bow hunting rights to myself my best friend's family owns it and they, they've just turned me loose in there <laughs> so i've you know gotten access to get in there and it, it's a it's a heaven and I, I i try to stay down there as much as i can but then, then out of state you know properties in ohio i've, I've gotten uh in with some guys up there um, properties in kansas you, you know starting to learn those better and and not just what, what actually here's an example i just got back from kansas obviously the season's not even in and i've got two properties that i'm very familiar with but there i I killed, actually killed the buck on one of those properties that I've been after for several years. And I knew that property backwards and forwards, but, but now there's not necessarily a target buck. And so what I did is I went out there and learned like five new properties. I put pins in, you know, I went and learned those properties because, you know, when I get back out there, I'm way ahead of the curve. If, if something does pop or something does show on one of those other forms, I'm not starting from zero. So that, that's something, and, and, and that, that equates to pup guys that are hunting public too. Yep. You know, if, if you're hunting Pennsylvania public land and you've got your, your one spot where you go every year, well, well my, my, my advice would be, man, branch out. Find seven other public spots in Pennsylvania and, and go t- tear those things apart in the off-season and during the summer and, and get a good feel so you, you've got backup plans because you can never have enough places to hunt. So really, that that's something that I've worked on the last couple of years that's, that's going to make me more efficient. Amen, Joe. That was one of the aspects that I really took to heart this past year and one of the, the key things that I really died in, dialed in on for myself. Yeah, man, access is having access to different properties and understanding them is, is number one. Yeah, I agree with that. So here, here's another one that I want to, I want to hear from you because looking behind you, you got some, some doozies and, uh, it's just like, it's like the endless wall of, of bucks behind there, Joe. I like it. So <laughs> what are your top three rules when hunting mature bucks? 
top three rules. Um, you, you know, it's not, it's, I'm not going to have anything super profound here. You know, these things have been beaten up a lot, but um, I'm going to scout more than a hunt. Um, so, so that would be uh, rule number one. Well, I guess that would be rule number number two. Rule number one would be what we just talked about: continuing to gain access and and flip over every single stone that you can to get access to places. And and uh, sometimes no doesn't mean no. You might have to find another way. Um, a quick tip, you know, if, if you got a landowner out there that's always no, 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 well, then you need to do kind of a deep dive on him and figure out what he likes. He might like NASCAR. He might like South Carolina shrimp. He, he might like uh, vacation in the Caribbean. Well, whatever it may be, find out what that old guy likes and, and then you go back to him and and you can make it kind of jokingly but seriously too and and so uh, again number one rule is is uh as much access as you possibly can um, once you get that access scout as much as you can and then number three would be discipline in your approach um and and what what does that mean so, so you you set up a you set up a plan. That, that, that's what I, you know, I get a lot of new guys that are getting into hunting that, that contact me. And, you know, it, it's just so much. You, you guys have got to get out and do things, right? You got to get out and experience it for yourself. And what, what I always say is make a plan. Like, like, what is your plan? What, what are you trying to do here? Okay. I, I think the deer are bedded over there. I think they're going here to feed, and I think this trail right here is the trail they're going to use to do that, and the wind is going to be coming out of this direction, so I'm going to get on this side of the trail, and my access is stay disciplined with that plan, go in, execute it, and learn from it. Okay, they, they all got downwind on me and blew. Why is that? What were my thermals doing? You know, and, and, then, and then file that away, and every time you go hunt, have a plan, and then when the mistakes happen, because you're going to fail, it's like baseball, man. You, yep. you, you're going to fail a lot more than, than you're going to be successful. But but file that away and stay disciplined. That that would be my my rule number my rule number three is to is to develop your plan, stick to it, be disciplined, and and continue to grow from from the mistakes you make. I like it. So Joe, like out of all the years you've been hunting and all the success that you've had. You know what? What would what chalks up the most deer movement for you? Is it the the weather? Is it you know other factors? What, what you know? What's kind of your belief uh, as like when you see something as far as the weather goes or anything along those lines where you're like, I gotta be in the woods tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Weather, weather is number one. I mean, um, you know, I, I used to have a, an interest in the Deer Hunters Moon Guide. I resurrected that brand, so I, I, obviously I had a dog in that fight. But I used it a lot uh, before um, I bought it, and. The, the overhead moon and underfoot moon definitely have effect on deer movement. Um, you, you know, all these studies with these radio collar deer that try to debunk that, you know, it, it's, it's different type animals. It's different controlled environments. In, in my experience, when you have the overhead and underfoot moon during prime hours, you know, that first hour, but, but it's not a phase, you know, you hear guys, they don't do this. I agree with you. The, the, the phase really, I've not seen much of that affect deer movement, but the position of the moon overhead and underfoot moon. And that's what that red moon and that deer hunters moon guide is talking about is the overhead and underfoot moon. But, but weather is it, um, you, you know, early season, you know, you can look at it a couple of different ways. Early season, you know, especially I'll, I'll equate it to here in South Carolina, it's hot. The, the deer are hitting ag um, right at dark. If you were to get a full, even a four-degree temperature change where it dropped just four degrees, I can guarantee you they're going to be out a little bit earlier. Um, same, and then we fast-forward to pre-rut rut. You know, if, if you get something that's 10 degrees warmer than normal, it, it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to shut it down and it's going to make it really difficult. Um, if you get something the opposite side of that where it's 10 degrees cooler than the normal, boy, you better be ready to go because they're, they're going to be active. And then late season, we're, we'll get back on food, and that's where you're looking for, you know, three, four inches of snow and bitter, bitter cold that they, got, they have to eat. So weather and, and cooler temperatures, I, I like the uh, – the high pressure when it feels really good to you like like uh, if you get a halloween that's crisp yeah. and a 10 
degrees cooler than normal and, and you've got an idea where a buck might be hitting scrapes or where he's bedded, boy, that is an incredible time to, to kill a giant. Um, you know, when you get out there and it feels good to you and the air's crisp, I mean, you don't have to be a meteorologist and look at bar- barometric pressure and all that, but when it when it feels good and it, it, I'm, I'm all over the place here, but when it feels good to you, you know, that that's a that's a good time to be in the tree and, and vice versa, like here in the swamp, you know, it's, it's 90, it's 102 today, but I was moving some cameras around and I, I found, I started walking in almost like a tunnel in the timber and it, it just got, it was eight degrees cooler in there and boom, there's four rubs where they had come out of, uh, come out of velvet and there was already a scrape in there. And, and, and so just because of that cool, it, it, was, it felt good to them. Yeah. So when, it, when an area feels good to you temperature-wise, I promise you it feels good to those deer. So that, that's, that's something to follow up. If you're in the market for finding a new trail camera, I highly encourage you to look no further than Exodus. Exodus has two main options to choose from as far as cameras go. A budget-friendly option that doesn't compromise quality. The Exodus Rival is the camera for you. Simplicity meets functionality in this easy-to-use, feature-rich cell camera. The Rival offers crystal clear photo quality, easy setup and use with complete remote management through the app anywhere in the world. Two already are set up in northeastern PA for me, and they're working flawlessly. And if you're looking for an all-encompassing cell camera, seriously, look no further than the Render. It's their flagship camera. It stood the test of time for thousands of hunters across the country. I have one deployed here locally where I live and another one I'm saving for back in northeastern PA. Again, zero issues. And I'll tell you what, Exodus stands by their five-year warranty for accidents or for theft top of the line customer service so see for yourself why so many made the switch to exodus and experience the exodus difference use code au to get 15 percent off your first camera today i like that and so let me ask you this question just because you know like you say you, you hunt kansas you're lucky enough that you pulled a, a a tag again for three years in a row uh could you make it four we will see <laughs> next yeah. year so like you hunt all these other states and how do you, what's your, your game plan when you see you have a pulse on like hunting pressures increasing a little bit? Yeah. Like how, how, what's your game plan regarding that? So, so my whole, my, my stuff is all pretty much do it yourself. And, and so I, I'm a big camera guy for out of state hunting and, and I'm, I'm kind of, you, you know, I, I'm a, a high percentage hunter meaning that i want to go when it's right to the right area and and the cameras really dictate that um you you know it it doesn't have to be necessarily a daylight picture um but but if it's if it's on a like the edge of a field or something that that i've got a camera set up on a scrape and and the deer i'm after or a big deer shows up on that then i've got probably four or five places back in funnels that if it's getting to be the rut where I can kill him. So that's my, that's how I manage my out of state stuff. Like right now I've got cameras in Kentucky that are in rut spots. I got cameras in Kansas that are in rut spots. And then I've got that new spot in Ohio. It's only 37 acres um, that that a guy's going to let me hunt this year. And I've got cameras scattered all over. I did find um, a, a good, fence crossing and then another spot that, that's going to be a good funnel and I've already got cameras there so now I'm, I'm just really I'm hunting here at home just like a, a, a normal guy you know if you will you know I'm going on the weekends and I'm going in the evenings when the wife, wife lets me sneak out of the sneak out of the house um, but but uh, you know I'm, I'm sitting on go on those other on those other states and and when those when they start hitting that that's that's when I'll move and and um you know, I'm I'm pretty certain that one of those one of those spots a, a giant's going to show up, and you know I'll be I'll be ready to to tackle it. So talk about that timing aspect because that's a big thing, right? Like because uh, it, it changes year after year. Like I could sit here and say, man, November eighth is always really good for me in the woods. Well, November eighth this past year was super warm. <laughs> it it yeah, sucked. My terrible. best my best day was you know, my, my best day was actually October 29th. That was like nuts in, in the woods for me. So talk I guess a little bit about like how you said hitting it at that right spot, the timing and, and go from there with that. Yeah, I, I mean, for, for me personally, 
um, with with what I have set up, it, it is super weather dependent. I know that, that come the very end of, of October that bucks can get killed on scrapes if the weather's right, you know, if, if it's cool. And, and, and you've got a big deer uh, found and, and you get a 10-degree cooler week coming up the end of October, I can guarantee you I'm going to be wherever that biggest deer is and I've got that weather. That might be Kansas. It might be Kentucky. It might be um, Ohio. But, but that's how I would time that. And, and let's say I don't have anything, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say I have nothing and I've got nothing on camera and I don't know exactly what or where I'm going. Um, what, what I would do then, I would wait until we did get that 10 degree, five degree below normal. And then I'm going to go to my tightest rut funnel in the, in a big, butt st- big, big buck state. I'm going to my tightest rut funnel. And this year um, it's probably going to be Kentucky. I've got a super tight rut funnel in Kentucky. And I know if I sit there long enough, I'm going to get a crack at a, at a big one. It just, the law averages are there. And like we talked about earlier, being disciplined and, and sitting there during that weather front where you've got you know 10 degree cooler than normal temperatures and just logging hours in that rut funnel you know that that would be my strategy if i had nothing to go and hunt yeah so here, here's kind of to build off of that you know you're talking about sign and everything like that this is man this is such a it's a broad generic type question you know but i, I always like to ask like especially the killers man like yourself you know, when, when you are traveling through the timber and you're, you're trying to find that hot sign, you know, when, when do you stop yourself and don't push further, right? Like you find that little bit, you know, like what's like, what is your setup maybe, or like you were saying that rut funnel, like, you know, that, that one little spot. And obviously that's like more of that terrain feature, but as far as the sign goes, when you're walking in and you're like, man, it just, this is where I know I need to be. What, what are you seeing in the woods? So th- th- that's an interesting thing, and it, it's good. this is going to be contrary to a lot of guys. Um, early season, I'm, I'm food, uh, I'm, I'm ag or, or muscadines or, or briars or um, cutover browse. You know, I, I'm on food. And, 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 and so that's normally 99% of the time is in the afternoons. And when that buck, either I see him in my binoculars or I get a picture of him at dark, I, I will go in and strategically try and kill him that, that very next day. Okay. Um, when, when we get into later in the season, we start getting into October and, and November into the rut, man, I'm not a guy that just goes bebopping through the woods looking for hot sign. Um, if, if I have my cameras in the tightest funnels I can find, and when that buck comes through there, even if it's at night, then I'm going to get in that funnel. I'm not looking for his sign. Uh, eventually, he's going to come back through that. He's going to come back through that funnel. And and so, you, you know, like like Andre DeQuisto, good buddy of mine, a killing machine. He 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 couldn't do that for three hours. He couldn't sit in a rut funnel. It would drive him stone crazy he will hunt for two out two or three hours in the morning break all his stuff down walk through the woods find fresh rubs find fresh scrapes set up on them and hunt i i don't i'm more the bobby worthington approach and i am i I don't i mean to say i don't care about sign is an understatement i do care about sign but i'm more concerned about that super pinch point during the rut that's going to force them by me and then sitting there till they come by the the buck i killed last year the tracks buck the one we had hunted for ever since he was a four-year-old and he was nine when i killed him um it, it was a super tight funnel and i got an october 17th picture of him coming through that funnel right he was coming he was going out right at dark it was dark the first picture the the next morning i got a daylight picture of him going back into the bed through the funnel and i flew back the next day because we were getting uh some super cold temperatures coming i killed him like on the 19th of october coming out of that out of that area through that tight tight funnel i wasn't on a scrape i wasn't on a rub i was on a trail and a funnel yeah um 
you know, so, so that's my, that's my philosophy is signs super important. And, um, you know, like, like here in South Carolina, we, the terrain doesn't set up real well for, um, funnel type hunting. We're real flat, real swampy, but you know, I can, and there it's more about edges and mock scrapes and creating some man-made funnels with brush piles and stuff like that. Um, but, but, uh, you know, it, it all depends on where you're hunting and, and how you're hunting and what you like to do. But, um, you know, I, I'm not the guy that's going to, nothing is, is never 100% in hunting, but I'm normally not the guy that throws a, a mobile setup on his back and goes sneaking through the woods and finds fresh scrapes and rubs and sets up on them um, during the rut. You know, that, that's... Yeah, I'm not going to do a whole lot of that. Yeah, no, that's awesome, Joe. Well, to kind of to wrap up this conversation and great friggin' tactics, I greatly appreciate you sharing your wisdom and, and answering those questions. I do, I do want you though, though, to talk a little bit about Osseo gear, just because I, I don't feel like it would be that very kind of me to not at least talk a little bit about this, about some of your 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 own, your own company that you have. Um, and and right now, I this will air. In September, so early season is still kind of going on. You just said this is coming up to year four. A lot of a lot of growth uh, going on. I love seeing, like I said, great individuals having success, uh, no matter what they do, no matter what field of professionalism they're in. In in here, and it's it's awesome. Like I said to you earlier, I love seeing my friends that represent Osseo Gear. They're good people. You just hired Rendell Erica as as your show type of individual for the manager. I just messaged him a congratulations. The other day, um, you know, like all that stuff, seeing Tyler Wilbur and the guys from Legacy Pursuit, you know, so you do offer some really great products and, you know, the story behind it, I don't want to butcher it, but it's, it's really cool as far as the pattern goes, whether it's the early season, mid season, late season, whatever you see fit, uh, Joe, that you would like to cover, please go ahead and touch upon some items. Well, man, I, I really appreciate that. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, we, we developed the line for whitetail tree stand, bow hunters you know that that's that's our niche that that's the gap we wanted to fill with real premium quality apparel that you could when it was hot you could hunt when it was hot and when it was bitter bitter cold you could sit for hours in the tree and be comfortable so we we nailed that with the quality of the stuff and there's other stuff out there that that, that you know the quality is good i mean there, there's some really well-built stuff out there that that we compete with you know on a quality perspective but where where we really win is with our camo pattern and the, the camo patterns to us over the last probably 10 years ha, have really gotten over-engineered and, and they don't make sense. You know, if, if you look at like a digital stuff, digital stuff was created for the military to hide men from men. Um, you know, sticks and leaves, yeah, that, you know, that, that was better than the old military, like Tiger Stripe and stuff like that, but it, it's, it's outdated. And it only works in that one exact environment, right, mm-hmm. where, where you leaves of that color um what what we did is look at nature and we looked at ambush predators because there is no there is no predator in nature that um is not camouflaged no ambush predator whether that's an owl a hawk a leopard a cheetah a bobcat a mountain lion um you know wolves uh coyotes they're they're all camouflaged and there's a reason for that camouflage works or they they wouldn't be right Uh, you know, they, they wouldn't be naturally camouflaged. So that's what we did is we looked at, at, at what we considered the best ambush predator from above, and, and that, that being owls. And then we looked at the eyesight of prey animals, like the scientific eyesight of, of mice, of squirrels, of rabbits, and, and how they equate and how they're either identical or very similar to the whitetail's eyesights. And we're not rocket scientists here at, at, at ICO by any means. I'm certainly not. But it, it made a lot of sense to me that if, if an animal that hunts out of a tree is hunting animals that have the same eyesight as me, why, and I don't want to get as close as I can to bow hunting, why on earth would I not, you know, try to emulate that camouflage? Right. And so that's exactly how ICO was created. And, you know, I, I had worn a lot of the other high-end stuff and um, continuously, I, I killed good stuff, man. And, and you can kill you can kill stuff in, in red flannel and blue jeans. Um, but but 
I got busted a lot more than, and obviously I have a dog in the fight here. I've got a camouflage clothing company, but don't, don't ask me, you know, personally, you know, ask a bunch of the guys that have actually tried it, what, what their thoughts are on how much better they're hidden, how they can get away with more movement now. And that's the key is, is to be able to get away with a little more movement and, and stack the deck a little bit more in your, in your favor and wear the really quality stuff. So you can sit and be comfortable and be able to draw your bow when it's negative 15 out and you've been sitting there for three hours and you've got on, you know, our late season bibs and jacket, you're toasty warm and yep, here he comes and you're able to get drawn. No problem. And you know, he doesn't see you get drawn. So, so that's, that's the whole thing. That that's the niche and the gap that we saw the one we filled. And, and we're so excited with, with what's going on. And we're really excited about the success that guys are having. I mean, we've already gotten probably 15 pictures in from guys early season um, that have, that have taken deer. And so it's really cool to go from an idea to, to, to being on guys backs that you don't even know. And, and they're sending you messages that, that say, man, thank you so much for, for getting this out there. This is what we needed. So it, it's, it's neat. It's really humbling and exciting at the same time. That's awesome. And, and like you were saying about the movement, right? I mean, to put, no matter what style of hunting you're doing, you, you're going to have some movement, right? And, you're not a small individual. Rendell Eric's not a, a small individual. So, I mean, that, that, you know, that goes into, I would love to see what I could do <laughs> being only five foot, five foot six, and I could probably get away with everything. So, but no, that's, that's really cool. And like you said, I have some really good friends and they've talked nothing but some really great things. I was working the, the outdoor show and in Pennsylvania, I think you guys were set up over in the archery hall. While I was working the tether booth. I didn't have really much or any time to walk around at all to, to kind of come see the products. There was an individual uh, over next to, I think there were a booth down from us. I think, I think it was Zinger, the Zinger's fletching uh, uh, company. One of the guys had on, I think one of the heavier jackets because it's obviously during that February time frame. So, um, and I, I mean, just looking at it and, and getting a, t- a, a, a hand on it to touch it, I was impressed, Joe. So that it was really cool to see that. And again, it's just really cool to see that, that success. And, you know, what kind of new items do you have coming out this upcoming year? Yeah. So, um, yeah, you, you mentioned that. Sorry. Earlier. That's right. Uh, so we've got a set of lightweight and midweight base layers, or, or really it's a light and a heavy base layer, and it's a it's a blend of merino and synthetic, so it dries really fast but still has the real good merino warming capabilities and scent control capabilities. So we've got base layers. Uh, we have a late-season vest, which is basically our late-season jacket without the sleeves, um, 180 of Primaloft insulation, completely windproof, got a waterproof membrane. It has our new archery collar, so it's a super low-profile collar design that I came up with, and we actually have that patent pending so it doesn't interfere with your draw or your shot because so many guys were tucking their vest collars and jacket collars in. They didn't get interference, so we eliminated that altogether. Um, we, so we, we've come out with our 2.0 fabric design, too. We've got a panel design where it's a high-definition, quiet uh, fabric on the front that, that really shows the camo well. And then, like, under your arms and on your back that are going to be up against the tree or movement areas, we used a little higher-pile fleece. Um, so, so it's even quieter in those areas. So we've got those in bibs. We've got the new Sherpa jacket, the late season, um, the late season vest. We've got a new mobile backpack. Our backpack has been for some reason, well, it's, it's a good pack, but it's been insanely popular and we've sold out of those things every year. And, and we created a new one. That's a smaller version. A lot of guys liked our pack, but they wanted a more mobile, smaller pack. So we, we've got that added. And then we've got a hand muff, um, you know, for guys that, that, that like to run a hand muff and, and, you know, instead of gloves or maybe with a lighter glove. So those are, Oh, and we've got a belt. We've got a non-metallic belt, mm-hmm. Um, so no, no buckle. It's a buckleless belt that, that does a real good job and very quiet. So those are all the products that we have for, for 2023. That's awesome, Joe. And I'm telling you, man, like, like I said, if, if you like Joe and, and the, the things that he represents, I, I mean, why not go support a, a, his company? Uh, looks fantastic. Again, just from, from my knowledge and going from word of mouth and, and these individuals, would not BS me just because either they're whatever working with Joe or not working with Joe. And, and actually a couple of them were representing 
osseo gear and wearing it before things maybe even came about so some really just really cool things and and I'm, I'm really happy for you that things are going well it's continuing to grow i mean just looking at at your 2.0 vest thing looks sharp i mean it looks great i like that collar uh so you know kudos to, to you guys developing that and getting something out there i love what you said it's mainly you you mainly went after it and it's made for elevated bow hunters and yeah. you can't go wrong man well, thank you so much, Jeremy, man. I really appreciate it. Um, enjoyed our time today, and, 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 man, I'd love to do it again. And maybe we can get you on the Mission Whitetail podcast one of these days. Be honored, Joe. Would be honored. Well, Joe, where could people find you, find Osseo Gear, all that stuff before you head off? Yeah, man. Um, so uh, Joe Miles Hunting on Instagram and Facebook, that, those are my social media handles, and I'm, I'm real active on there. So if anybody's got questions or anything, be happy to, you know, give me a day or so, but I'll get back just as fast as I can. Um, ICOgear.com, that's our that's our uh, website. Everything's customer direct. Everything's got a lifetime warranty, 30-day money-back guarantee. Wow free exchanges um so we we try and really take care of our customers because we're bow hunters and we know how important our gear is so we we want to be as accommodating as we possibly can and then osseo also on um on instagram and facebook under osseo gear awesome joe well thank you so much again like i said this was a true honor having you on getting a chance to talk so i appreciate that please everybody listening go check out joe go check out osseo gear really appreciate it Best of luck to you, those of you that are heading out here soon this this upcoming week for Whitetail and PA and, and across the world, across the nation. We'll see you next week, everybody. Antler up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Antler Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please go check us out on our Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Go Wild and at antlerupoutdoors.com. If you enjoyed this episode, go leave a review and subscribe for next week's episode. Until then, Antler up.